Hello, I'm Kyle Caldwell, and this is On The Money, a weekly look at how to get the best out of your savings and investments. Before we get into this week's episode, I wanted to tell you that the new series of the II Family Money Show with Gabby Logan is coming soon. Series 3 kicks off with Lord Sebastian Coe, and you can find it and follow it in your usual podcast app now by searching for Interactive Investor or the II Family Money Show. So back to this episode, we're going to focus the entire episode on Scottish Mortgage, the FTSE 100 listed investment trust that invests in global shares. So the trust has seen its performance come off the boil over the past 18 months to two years. And Sam Benstead is in the studio with me and we'll be taking a look at what's been happening, including looking at the evolution of the portfolio, the main concerns of investors and where Scottish Mortgage goes from here. Just to get across that both me and Sam have personal investments in Scottish Mortgage and we'll be talking from our position as DIY investors. So to kick off, let's look at the long-term performance and then I'm going to switch to Sam to run through the short-term numbers. And I think it is fair that that the long-term returns is the best place to start. Scottish Mortgage asks its shareholders to judge its track record over at least five years and ideally longer than that, such as 10 years. So over 10 years, Shareholders who bought and held on, they've more than quadrupled their money as the trust is up 343%. This compares very favourably to the average global trust, which is up 211% over the same time period. Now, over five years, it is much tighter, which reflects the recent weakness in the short-term performance. So over five years, Scottish Mortgage is up 52% versus 48% for the average global trust. So why has Scottish Mortgage over 10 years performed so well? Well, there's a whole bunch of reasons, but for me, it's approach of trying to identify exceptional growth companies. It's clearly paid off over that time period. So you have to give credit where credit's due. It was actually further back than that in the early noughties when James Anderson, who's the long-standing fund manager who retired last year, he decided to build the portfolio around the underestimated power of structural technological change seeking to identify companies with disruptive technologies that would be able to challenge the business models of the traditional corporate giants. And, you know, I think it's fair to say that Anderson was a true visionary. Over the past 20 years, Scotch Mortgage has been an early investor in a number of companies that have become household names. These include Amazon, Apple, Google, Beidou, Tesla, Tencent, and Moderna. And prior to the pandemic, it already had an excellent long-term track record, but then its performance was then turbocharged even more due to its focus on companies that have a technological edge over competitors. So during the lockdown periods, those companies with strong tech saw their share prices soar. And in addition, it had a big exposure to Tesla, which saw its share price soar by over 700% in 2020. So this naturally had a big influence on Scottish Mortgage's share price sizzling. As mentioned, James Anderson, the long-standing manager, is now retired. He stepped down last April. And as our columnist, Ian Cowie, quipped in one of his recent weekly pieces, it's probably the best planned retirement since Sir Alex Ferguson left Manchester United. Although a key difference is that Tom Slater, who is now the lead manager of Scottish Mortgage, had been the joint manager of the Trust since 2015. So there was, in my view, much more smoother succession planning going on at Scottish Mortgage compared to Manchester United. And I'm not just saying that as a Liverpool fan. And the deputy manager who was installed two years ago is Lawrence Baines. So Sam, I'll now pass the baton to you to explain why its performance has struggled over the past 18 months to two years. So just to get the numbers out there, the shares are down 56% from their November 2021 peak. And that is not because the companies are struggling. 
is because of the change in the macroeconomic environment. So what have we seen over the past 18 months? We've seen inflation go up, and in response, interest rates have gone up. And when interest rates go up, this means that the yield on bonds also rises. So from getting next to nothing from lending money to the government, you can now get about 4% effectively risk-free by buying bonds from the UK and US government. So why has that led to Scottish mortgage shares falling so dramatically over this period? Well, it's to do with the types of stocks that they invest in. So Scottish mortgage owns high-risk speculative companies whose profits are generally going to come a long way into the future. So they're long-duration assets in industry speak. So these investments actually suffer a lot when the return on risk-free assets increases. So why would you risk buying a company that doesn't make a lot of money today, but could make a lot of money in the future if suddenly you can get a stable and actually quite good return from safe investments? So that causes their valuations to fall. Another element is the widening of the discount to around 20%, and that's linked to the high allocation to private stocks. So Scottish Mortgage can invest up to 30% of its portfolio in private companies. And then finally, I would just say that Scottish Mortgage is a volatile investment trust by its very nature. It's big, it's kind of a bellwether for growth shares. So when sentiment is really positive and investors are very excited, you might get a premium, you get a lot of shares traded. Then on the other hand, when sentiment is very negative, and then you get the opposite when sentiment is very negative. So Scottish Mortgage tends to swing in value quite a lot, which explains why you've seen such a big downturn over the past 18 months. I think to be fair to the fund managers, so Tom Slater and Lons Baines, they've not been using the wider macro backdrop as, a, as an excuse for the performance, um, you know, turning sour over this period. In their view, um, over the long term, it's the stock picking that matters the most rather than the, uh, rather than the macro backdrop. So they're relatively unfazed by this um, you know, painful period for shareholders. And in terms of um, interactive investor customers, generally customers have been keeping the faith. Um, you know, some have been trying to buy the dip, particularly due to the, uh, the wide discount. So since June 2019, um, each month we publish a list of the top 10 most bought funds and investment trusts on the platform. And in terms of the top 10 investment trusts, Scottish Mortgage has each month been the most popular investment trust since then, so since June 2019. Now we're gonna look at how the portfolio has changed or evolved over the years. Um, I'd say it's probably, you know, in, in terms of the investment approach, what you want to see is a fund manager sticking to their knitting. It's very important that a fund manager does this, you know, when times are tough, when performance, you know, takes a turn for the worse. What would be more of a concern is if the approach changed, as this would be a sign of a, you know, a lack of confidence in the overall investment strategy. But, you know, the investment approach is the same. You know, the team believe that over the long term, there are only a small number of exceptional growth companies, and these are the stocks that they're seeking to invest in. And you know, one thing I like about it, well, there's a number of reasons, but one thing stands out for me is I like that it's a very active fund. It's completely different from the index and, and very different from other strategies. And you know, there's, there's certainly no basing decisions here around each share is weighted in the index. Is, you know, I'd be surprised even if the fund managers actually look at the index. What has evolved over the years, and I think will continue to broaden, is the themes that the trust is seeking to profit from. So that there's three big themes at the moment. And within those three big themes, there are various sub-themes. But just to give you the three big ones, so they're seeking to profit from a digitalized world, decarbonization, and technology meets healthcare. 
What also has evolved is the unlisted or private equity exposure. So back in 2015, it had under 5% in unlisted stocks. And then I look back and it was at the start of 2021, the unlisted exposure was around 16%. It's now just under 30%, which is the maximum amount that it can have. Now, increasing exposure to private companies, it's part of a wider trend. So if you go back to the um, technology boom in the late 90s, you know, various fast-growing companies, they were scrambling to get their hands on a stock market listing. Today, however, many early-stage businesses that turn into private capital to fund their expansion rather than list on the stock market. So going down the IPO route, this comes with um, both regulation and scrutiny due to the obligation of um, having to report uh, you know, data on a quarterly basis, your financial data. And this can bring unwelcome short-term scrutiny for companies that are trying to grow for the long term. And there's also the risk of um, you know, listing on the stock market too early or you know, not being profitable for a number of years. The stock market can take a, a dim view of that and you know, reprice your, um, the share price accordingly and not be very forgiving. So increasingly, there's been other investment trusts as well as Scottish Mortgage that have been looking to unlist the companies to capture growth opportunities. And you know, Scottish Mortgage is probably the highest pro profile example of that that doesn't just invest in uh, private equity stocks. I mean, for me, we'll get to Sam's thoughts on this as well in a moment. You know, the increased exposure to unlisted stocks, it doesn't change the risk profile of the trust. It was already an adventurous strategy. So in my view, it's better placed as a satellite holding rather than a core holding. And again, in my view, if the managers are seeking more opportunities in unlisted stocks, which has obviously clearly been the case, then I'd sooner the full manager goes there, you know, if the strategy allows them to. But what having more unlisted exposure does do is that it makes some investors nervous during more volatile periods. As investors, you know, with an unlisted company, you're unable to see for yourself how much the valuation has changed in response to falling share prices and valuations in public markets. And that's been a big factor, hasn't it, Sam, recently behind Scottish Mortgage being out of form? That's right. So the main reason for this 20% discount at the moment is that investors just don't believe the valuations that Scottish Mortgage is putting on its private portfolio. So the way it values its portfolio is it does a third of it every month. So every three months, they get a full fresh valuation for its private companies. However, investors are looking at similar companies that are now public that used to be private in the Scottish mortgage portfolio and saying, hold on a minute, these public companies have dropped a lot. And yet the private companies, which are arguably similar, have only dropped a little bit. So for example, a biotech stock that Bailey Gifford and Scottish Mortgage owned was Ginkgo Bioworks, and it listed its shares in 2021. And from their peak to trough, they've fallen 90%, and that was a top 10 position for Scottish Mortgage. That's a huge drop, and we haven't seen drops anywhere near as big as that in the NAV, in the net asset value of the private portfolio. There's a similar thing happening at other private equity investment trusts at the moment, so it's not just a venture capital, Scottish Mortgage-related thing. You can pick up shares in most of the big private equity trusts of people like Pantheon International or Harbourvest Global, Global Private Equity, also at big discounts. So they're at 50%. So this is widespread across the whole private equity world. Investors just don't think the valuations they're putting on their portfolio are actually correct in light of what public stocks are doing. And there are clear signs that these, that these private portfolios are overvalued. So for example, Klarna, which isn't a Scottish mortgage position, but it's this private um, Swedish buy now, pay later fintech company. When it raised money in summer 2022, which was after the, the bubble had burst, 
it had to write down its portfolio value by 85%. Investors just weren't willing to lend it money and give it the same valuation that they had done in 2021. The other issue with Scottish Mortgage and its private companies at the moment is that they have a hard 30% cap on private stocks. So this cap works when they invest in new companies, but it doesn't apply if the, if the allocation to private stocks goes over that 30% because of changing valuations of the private portfolio. So if the public market falls, for example, but the private stocks stay relatively the same in valuation, you'll see that allocation naturally shift up. That's fine, it can go over 30% in that instance, but it just can't make new investments into private companies that would take it over that 30% allocation. And this could be a problem because it means it can't add money to existing positions or invest into new private companies that it may see opportunities in. And that's particularly relevant at the moment because a lot of really, really special private companies are actually struggling and looking for new investors. So Bailey Gifford and Scottish Mortgage could actually get a bargain by investing in these companies now, but actually it's restricted in doing so because of that 30% cap. There's been a lot of articles um, written on the unlisted slash private equity exposure of the trust. And that increased even more uh, of late as there was a boardroom bust up over the assessment of the risks posed by the trust's unlisted investments. So Sam, could you run through what was said and what's gone on here? So there was some unusual drama in the often dull world of investment trust boards. So one of the non-executive directors at Scottish Mortgage is a chap called Amar Bide, who is an academic and an author and is connected to a university in the United States. And he basically said that Scottish Mortgage and Bailey Gifford more widely didn't have the resources or expertise to monitor and invest in private companies. So Scottish Mortgage has 52 private positions and he was saying actually that's too many for a team of your size. He was also concerned that there was not enough investment expertise on the board and it was being packed with academics and the chair, Fiona McBain, was too controlling and wasn't allowing this diversity of, of thought and challenge in the board of Scottish Mortgage. So what happened? Well, B-Day left the board. Chair Fiona McBain said she was stepping down. So that's going to come after the AGM in June this year. And shareholders will vote on the new chair, which is expected to be Justin Dowley. Um, and Dowley is a former investment banker. He's currently the chairman of engineering firm Melrose Industries and has been an independent director on Scottish Mortgage since 2015. So should investors be worried about this? My personal view is that Bailey Gifford as a company does have the resources to invest in private companies, but actually it might have got a bit ahead of itself um, in believing that that's where you find the very best companies that should be kind of weighted so heavily towards them. So it has 52 private companies in Scottish Mortgage. That's compared with 47 public ones. So there's more private companies than public companies, even though it's only 30% of the portfolio. That for me doesn't seem like the right balance. There's amazing public companies out there. It's easier to be a value investor in public companies because the share prices change so much you can be a bit more opportunistic. Um, so that ratio I don't think is right. It doesn't have the resources and expertise. I think it does. It's, it's bought some amazing private companies in the past and they do know what they're doing and that comes across every time I see the managers speak. As to the board row, I think it's good to see that there were challenges in there and Amar actually did speak up and say that they needed to get a bit more expertise in there. So that's actually quite a good thing, I think. And now there are going to be changes. So I'm not too worried about the board shifting around. 
but I am a bit concerned that private companies have become so important to Scottish mortgage. I completely agree with you, Sam, in terms of the boardroom row. I mean, as a shareholder, I was, I was glad that the former board member came out and, you know, expressed, you know, his, his views so that, you know, other shareholders could take note of. You know, independent boards are a key advantage for investment trusts. Um, it's one of the reasons why I do favour investment trusts over funds. And, you know, we've seen over the past couple of years, one trend has been that, you know, boards, they've helped driven down costs and passed on economies of scale to shareholders. Whereas with open-ended funds, that very rarely happens. And in terms of the listed versus unlisted exposure, I mean, we've seen in the first quarter of this year, a number of tech stocks, particularly the FANGs, have a strong three-month period, which perhaps reflects that, you know, last year the valuations and share price falls for some of those tech companies, they fell too much in response to interest rates rising. And, you know, it's not comparing apples with apples because Scottish Mortgage does not invest in the same way that, you know, other, well, the main two tech trusts do, Allianz Technology and Polar Capital Technology. Well, do you find it interesting that in the first quarter of this year, Allianz Technology and Polar Capital Technology, they're both up, you know, respectively 10% and 16%. I am scratching my head a bit wondering why Scottish Mortgage has posted a small loss over that period when, you know, some tech companies have had a rally. And, you know, it has to be down to the valuations of the unlisted exposure that, you know, invest, some investors are, are very sceptical of. And as Sam mentioned, it's having a big bearing on its discount. Uh, which is just under 20%, and current discount on Scottish mortgage is much higher than usual. So for the past couple of years, Scottish mortgage has typically traded close to par, so close to the value of its underlying investments. Now, Scottish mortgage, it, it does try and limit discount volatility through buying back its own shares. It was one of the largest share repurchases in 2022. And in theory, buying back shares it should help to adjust the disparity between supply and demand, thereby you know, pushing the share price up, improving investor sentiment and reducing the discount. However, that doesn't always work in practice. Share buybacks, you know, ultimately, they are not a panacea to fix negative sentiment. And this is a point that one of our listeners, Stuart Brown, you know, made to me in an email conversation, and I, I completely agree with what he, what he said. He pointed out to me that I'm skeptical of the value of share buybacks when the market doesn't, for the moment, trust private equity valuations. And I think that's spot on. And in the case of Scottish Mortgage, I think if the market wasn't skeptical about those unlisted stock valuations, then it wouldn't be on such a wide discount. And the same is true of other trusts that solely invest in private equity, which, as Sam mentioned, they are also on very notable discounts. Now, one thing that no one can accuse Scottish Mortgage of not being is transparent. It's written articles to explain how the unlisted stocks are valued and how often. And around a year ago, when I interviewed Lawrence Burns, he gave a clear explanation to the process, which I thought would be worth replaying to listeners. So here it is from the horse's mouth when I asked him to explain the process. Um, so firstly, we follow the international private equity and venture capital guidelines in terms of our approach to valuing our unlisted holdings. And this is handled by a uh, valuation committee that exists with Inside Bailey Gifford, who are supported in their task by the advice of an independent third party called IHS Market. As fund managers, um, neither Tom or I have anything really to do with that um, process. Um, it's done at arm's length. It's independent from us or our views. We simply get notified of the changes after they've effectively been agreed. And, and what the committee are really trying to do is come to a fair value 
by which we mean the price we think we would be able to achieve if we were to sell these holdings today in the open market. And, and that's very different from what the fund managers, myself and Tom, might think they're worth on a five to 10 year view. It's about if we were to go out and sell them today, what's the best guess at, the, at what we'd be able to sell them for? And I think to your second part of your question, it's very fair to ask, well, how quickly are these valuations updated in volatile and indeed falling public equity markets? Um, and so firstly, the companies are reviewed on a rolling three-month basis. So the entire portfolio is always revalued every quarter. In addition to that, it's not all at the same time. Um, a third of the portfolio is uh, reviewed every month. And so one month you get one third, another month you get another third, and then the third month you get the final third. Um, so that creates some immediacy to it. In addition to this, as you probably expect, we have trigger events. So when there's an immediate change um, outside of this revaluation cycle that happens on that rolling three-month basis, um, trigger events can cause the committee to look and readjust the, the valuation. So you know, what causes a trigger event? It could be a material change in company fundamentals. It could be a new funding round, a decision to take the company public. Um, or it could be a material change in the public market valuations that are feeding in to that fair value market valuation. So um, if you've got a company operating in one space and all of its public market peers have come down a lot, you'd expect that to be a trigger event to relook at the valuation. And so what we've seen in volatile markets is we've had quite a lot of those trigger events that have tried to make sure that the valuations remain fresh. It's, it's made it quite a, a busy time, I think, um, and the, for sort of our valuation committee. But I hope that gives detail and reassurance to your listeners and our shareholders about how the process works and how it's adapting to the changing market conditions. So there you have it. And Scottish Mortgage also gives regular updates to its shareholders. And it certainly can't be accused of hiding when the going gets tough. So we had a recent update to investors. Um, it was a recent webinar. Um, Sam covered it for the Interactive Investor website. So Sam, what were the main concerns that private investors had who submitted questions and how did Scottish Mortgage respond? There were three big areas which Scottish Mortgage was forced to address. And those were concerns over its unlisted exposure at the 30% limit, the notable short-term underperformance and its rising discount. So Slater said that actually the 30% cap was not a big problem and hadn't been a constraint for them. And um, Burns agreed with him, but he said there was one company over the past year that they could not invest in because, um, because of that cap. He said it was something they were monitoring and thinking about. Um, Slater added to that that half of the private company exposure comes from just five companies, and the best companies are, or a lot of companies are staying private for longer, and this is where they're finding a lot of their best ideas. So actually limiting their ability to invest in private companies would be a disadvantage to the shareholders, ultimately, was his point. One question referenced Neil Woodford and his fall from grace from investing in private companies in his open-ended Woodford Equity Income Fund. But Scottish Mortgage said it would not face similar problems and you couldn't make comparisons between them and Woodford. One of the reasons was that the private companies they're owning are huge companies and therefore they're relatively more liquid, more easy to sell. So they said the average company they invest in, which is private, has an £8 billion market cap versus £200 million for the companies that Woodford was investing in. He also said that because it's a closed-ended investment trust, which means the shares can move around without, um, without the fund managers having to actually raise money to return capital to investors when they take their money out, 
meant that they were not a forced seller of assets as Woodford was. On the performance, the fund managers admitted that it had been poor recently and they apologised for this, but they said they'd not waver from their investment approach. Burns, for example, said they didn't want to give up on incredible companies during difficult periods. And he referenced Amazon and its share price crash in 2001 and Apple's crash in 2008 as evidence that even the best firms go through really tough periods. As for the discount, Slater said that it's key to strike a balance between discount management, so buying back shares, and using that capital to invest in new companies. So what he said was, was that he wanted to identify long-term winners as a priority for spending capital, but also he wanted to look out for shareholders. He said, we don't want to tie ourselves to numeric targets on discount for these reasons. An interesting nugget from the webinar was that Slater said he had bought more Scottish mortgage shares for his own personal account. And across Bailey Gifford more generally, employees were buying shares in the group's funds, which was something that he said the leadership of the group was encouraging. Well, that's good for shareholders to know that the lead fund managers being increasing his skin in the game. In terms of um, skin in the game, fund managers are not required to announce whether they've been increasing. Well, you'd hope they'd, you'd hope they'd be increasing. You hope they wouldn't be decreasing exposure unless they've got uh, more than 3% of, um, of, of, of a holding in the investment trust. But, you know, it's a question that we always ask for managers that we interview. We think it's really important that fund managers are aligned with investors and that they benefit from both the good times and they also suffer from the bad times as well, which, you know, Scottish mortgage shareholders can testify to from um, the past 18 months to two years. So let's end by summarising where do investors in Scottish mortgage go from here? So Sam, what are your thoughts, you know, in terms of should investors hold fold or be bold? I think now's a great time to be bold if you have a long-term investment horizon. There's so much bad news pricing to the Scottish mortgage share price at the moment. The 20% discount shows that. And a turnaround could be near. And that's because interest rates look like they're close to peaking in the UK and the US because inflation is slowing down and the economies are slowing uh, and economies are showing signs of weakness. This will give central banks license to pause interest rates increases and actually potentially cut them towards the end of this year or into next year. That would be a huge turning point for the, for the Scottish mortgage share price. As I said at the part at the start of this podcast, that kind of risk-free rate, which is linked to interest rates, is so key to valuing these high growth companies. So if interest rates start falling again, then actually that would be a great tailwind for the valuations of the types of companies that Scottish mortgage own. So if you have a long investment time horizon, now would be a good time to invest. If you need the money in the short term, I think it's too risky and you should be holding or just looking at risk in your portfolio more generally and making sure Scottish mortgage isn't too much of a big position. Personally, I still hold it, but I, f I was fortunate in that I bought, you know, around 10 years ago. So I'm in a different place to those that have bought it more recently and, you know, near some big paper losses. Now, normally when a fund or an investment trust is out of form, I'm inclined to buy more and be bold if I'm, you know, still a big, big believer in the strategy. But um, my personal circumstances mean that my hands are tied at the moment as I'm prioritising saving towards a house extension, which um, I'm hoping to have done in the next year or so. So that's, that's where any savings I have are going at the moment rather than um, being put to work in investments. So I'm sort of reluctantly just holding at the moment. However, I do regret not taking some profits in Scottish Mortgage. I think I've learned a valuable lesson from the experience, which is that you know, while, while investing over the long term, running winners to benefit from you know, compounding, it's widely acknowledged as a proven way to grow wealth. There are occasions when it 
can pay to take some profits, such as when a fund or an investment trust has enjoyed a really strong run of performance that's unlikely to last indefinitely. And this was the case with how well Scottish Mortgage fared during lockdown. So from April 2021 to April 2022, its share price doubled. I knew at the time, and even the managers of Scottish Mortgage cautioned against elation, that those sort of returns, they were not gonna keep on happening. But what I did underestimate was that, you know, as we stand today, the majority of those gains during the lockdown periods, they've been handed back. And that unfortunately has been the case. Thank you to Sam and thank you for listening to this episode of On The Money. If you enjoyed it, please follow the show in your podcast app and tell a friend about it. If you get a chance, leave us a review or a rating in your podcast app too. You can join the conversation, ask questions and tell us what you would like us to talk about via email, which is otm at ii.co.uk. In the meantime, you can find more information and practical pointers on how to get the most out of your investments on the Interactive Investor website, which is ii.co.uk. See you next week.